good morning. It's great to have you here today at the Christian Church of Essence Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And I'm so glad that God gave us a good purpose, right? We get to do something positive, amazing, good that uh, transforms ourselves and the world. And I've got a little announcement, something I really want you guys to be praying about in that is as we continue to saturate the Estes Valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as we continue to disciple each other, right, and grow each other up in faith and faithfulness, uh, we uh, had a plan. And uh, part of that plan is, uh, you know, we want to be able to pour into you and to love you as a congregation, as individuals, because you are people that we love very much. And, uh, and so when we hired Pastor Jesse on, the idea was to kind of raise him up and disciple him. And he, he's gifted at music. I think we all agree there. But his passion is desire. He wants to be a lead pastor. He knows that God has called him to that, he and Angelina. And so uh, we said when we first hired him, about five years was what we wanted to do to be able to take him from worship and then move him into other areas of ministry to train him there. Well, we're ahead of schedule, but also we looked at the needs of the body. Uh, our children's and families, our young families right now, we look in our culture, they are not getting a lot of support outside of the church and able to grow, to, to realize what does a biblical family look like, how do we train each other. We want to make sure that we provide some really great support there, as well as uh, for uh, the rest of our church, our men's and women's, other types of ministries. And so we looked at the need that was there, and, and uh, we're at a point right now that we can help transition Pastor Jesse from being a worship pastor to a family pastor. And I'm really excited about it. He's kind of excited about it, too. I've been praying about it. What that means is that we also then will need somebody to help lead us in worship. So we've contacted the shepherd staff who helped us find Pastor Jesse. And the reason I'm telling you this is they're going to be here uh, next week. And I would love to meet with any of you who'd like to talk between services as we look for and pray for our next worship pastor who's going to come alongside and is going to help us. And that worship pastor will also be helping us with things like life groups and other things, community outreach. We really feel like we're going to saturate the valley. Uh, we want to do that. But this will help us then, I think, really provide the pastoral support for another 100 people, on, uh, which will really, I think, will give us the capacity to, to provide the care that we need for you guys to disciple you as well, support families and things like this. So I'm super excited about it. We are five years ahead of schedule, and I love that. But we're bringing the gospel to the valley. We're growing the church, and it's a great thing. So please be praying about that, uh, that God will raise up this person, prepare them, their family, the right time. And if you'd be willing, between services next week, like to talk to uh, Greg Allen. I think he's got an associate named Douglas, who's a, a, a guy who's going to go and help recruit as well. Um, I know they would love to hear from you as well, to get to know who the church is so they help us find the right person. Uh, so pretty exciting stuff, right? And which reminds us, that as a church, we talked about this last week, right? That, that we were made for each other. The church is not an organization. We don't just hire somebody in. We bring another family member in because the church is the family of God. It's the, it's the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of heaven that returns back the kingdom of darkness, which is out there, which is why it's so important that we recognize in Scripture that the kingdom is the assembly, or the, the church is the assembly of all those things. It's the assembly of the body. It's when we come together and actually able to function. It's, what, it's the assembly of God's kingdom, so we are able to, to resist the darkness, right? It's the assembly of God's family, so we can actually care for and love one another. And so it's important that we say, wait, yeah, we were meant, we, we belong together. And we have another Christian brother, we're going to be bringing in a part of that, but that's, that's a big part. But you know what? It's not just that we belong together. It's that God made the church is that we're better together. There's a benefit that we gain by being together. It's like, um, 
I love peanut butter. I know that some people, it, it literally kills them. But for me, I, I've always loved peanut butter. I think it's one of the greatest things. And, and I also, I love chocolate. I think chocolate's one of the greatest foods that was ever discovered. I think it was discovered because I think it's heavenly. And, but when you put the two of those together, amazing, right? Well, that, the church is so much better than peanut butter and chocolate. When we come together, we become something greater than we would ever be on our own. And we're going to talk about that today. What are the benefits that we gain as being part of the church? Before we do that, of course, uh, we, oh no, what did I do? Let's go forward. There we go. Aha, we have a memory verse. Our memory verse is Hebrews 10, 25. It's in your bulletin. It's on your connection card. I just want to say it once, and then we'll get into the rest of the message. But this is so important. So we talked about last week. So if you missed that message, go online, and you can hear it so you can see this exegeted. But it's so important for us to gain this and set this to our hearts and minds so that we can remember how important it is that we assemble as God's bodies. Here, go say it along with me. Three, two, one. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Ephesians 10, oh, Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to do that again because I need to practice it on my own. Okay, turn to Ephesians 4. That's where my mind is. We're going to be in Ephesians for the next couple weeks. So we start this week, we talk about how we're better together. Next week, we start a series on, on wholeness. And uh, it's going to follow up right after this uh, as far as uh, we're going to be today is where we begin that series tomorrow or next week. So um, before we get to how do we find God's wholeness, we need to begin with this uh, instruction that we get from Ephesians chapter 4. Now Ephesians was written, of course, by the Apostle Paul, the church at Ephesus, a church that was growing, a very, very healthy church, became the powerhouse church, really the anchor church uh, for all. the, the entire faith for a good while after Jerusalem was destroyed, before Rome really took up the seat of, of, of leadership, uh, it was Ephesus that really uh, carried as we had uh, great pastors there, um, Timothy to John, I mean, it was a, it's a great church. But at this point, it was growing, they had some really amazing elders, it was, it was a healthy church. And Paul writes these instructions to them, really as, as how does the church supposed to exist and thrive? This Ephesus was, at the time, it was the seat of uh, one of the wonders of the world. It had, to, uh, it had a lot of uh, pagan worship. They worshiped this goddess that was there. It was not a, a very openly uh, warm place for Christians. They even also had a, a, the most organized riot in all of history where everybody went into the, the amphitheater and were shouting, hey, let's Let's kill Paul, right? So this was a city that had some hostility towards the gospel, and yet it was growing there. And Paul begins to teach them uh, through the scripture, the Holy Spirit, how, how do we live as Christians? How do we have this different way of life in the midst of this very pagan world that doesn't understand this different way? Does it sound familiar? And it was so powerful that eventually that church became this amazing powerhouse. That, 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 that amphitheater that was used at first for the most organized riot in history eventually became a place where there were praises to the king of kings. In fact, if you go there today, there are still Christians walking around those crowds, still praying and praising God. How is it that we saw the kingdom of God advance so powerfully, that the body of Christ was able to so thoroughly transform culture that the pagan worship, actually uh, the ancient one of the world, is actually not even, uh, it's outside of town, you can barely find it now. The main thing that we see there are the churches and the ruins, I mean, it's amazing how thoroughly the church and how 
transformed history there how, and the culture. How did that happen? Well, Paul writes about this. And so in, in chapter 4, so we're about halfway through his book, we will read this uh, starting in uh, verse 11. And, okay, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, that's me, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in that passage, there are 10 parts, 10 benefits that we find of being part of a church, which I think is, are important for us to see. Why is, like Paul goes in and he starts saying, listen, we, we need to assemble, we need to be the body of Christ. And he talks about that pretty thoroughly before this passage begins. And then he talks about then, what are the benefits? <laughs> if we're supposed to assemble, why does God have us assemble? And in that passage, he gives us, I think, 10 pretty good ones as to what we gain as being part of the body. Why are we better together? Why is it so important that we gain? And so that's what we're going to be going through today. And the first thing that you read in there is that we, we gain Christ's provision. When we assemble as God's people, we enjoy God's provision, his direction. Where do we get that? It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, right? Where did God provide for you to be equipped? Church, in the assembly. That it, it's, it's here. When we, oftentimes we think about, well, well what, I want to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I hear people say that all the time. I want to live for something bigger. I want to have this purpose and all this. God made you for great things, but he didn't make you to do those great things alone by yourself, right? For example, God made your eyeball to do great things, right? It does wonderful stuff for you, right? If you lose your eyeball, you'll, you'll notice exactly how much it does for you, right? It's, it's a great thing. It's powerful. It does awesome stuff, but on its own, it's not able to do much of anything. You just poke it out. Well, Christ himself provided for you to be part of the body. And part of the things that he did is he provided systems and, and, and people and gifted others in the body to support you. And that's what I get to do. So I talk about as a pastor, is like I get to be the first servant of the church, right? I get to serve you. I pray for you. I care for you. I, I try to guard your, your, your souls, right? I, I try to make sure that you are equipped. I, I, uh, what it says in Scripture, I'm supposed to love you, right? And you don't get that outside. And in fact, that's not just pastors. You don't just get a shepherd. That God has also given the apostles, right? Those who gave us the word. Like we don't have to come up with what we think is what God's designed for, like what he's... His, his communication to humanity. We don't have to sit up on top of mountains and try to have him give us some type of new inspiration or whatever. He's given us the apostles. We have it now in the word. But he's also given us the prophets to be able to explain his truth to us, the evangelists to be able to go and, and bring the gospel out there and to help us to do that, and the pastors and also teachers so that way you can understand what God's word is, what the, was brought to us by the apostles and the prophets, that you are not alone. You are well-supported and God's provided for you, but he didn't provide for you outside of his family, 
Right? He's provided to you to be supported and to grow here. And that's a huge benefit, that when you connect and what God, you are receiving the good thing that God made for you to have. And it's so sad, oftentimes the devil has tricked so many people to think, well, I don't, especially Christians, I don't need a church. I'm fine on my own. I'm better off on my own. But you're not going to be equipped. It's like, remember we took that huge um, offering a couple years ago to, for the firefighters in Ukraine? Right? They, they didn't have the equipment they needed, and so they were dressing up in sweatpants and trying to go and fight fires there, and it was really, really dangerous. And they were, they were prepared in some ways to go do it, but they didn't have the right equipment, and so they couldn't get the job done. Well, the church equips you. That's part of what we do, is we help each of us grow together to be able to be thoroughly equipped to do the good things that God wants to do. And this was Christ's design. Notice that it says Christ himself gave. It's not as though Jesus even, he delegated this off to like one of his archangels or something and said, you know, Michael, make sure the Christian church of Estes Park's got a decent pastor. He's like, no, Jesus himself said, you serve. That's pretty amazing that God cares so deeply about his body that he doesn't he doesn't just ask others to do it. Christ himself is engaged in providing for this church. Wasn't that cool? One of the benefits we have when we connect in the church is we receive the blessing of Christ's design for you, his provision. And as we have that provision, that provision is there is to be equipped. That's the next thing that we get in church. It's not just that we are provided for, but we also then have the ability to do the good stuff that God called us to do. Of course, that's that next part. To why, are we, why did he provide the pastors and teachers? To equip his people for works of service. That's huge. right? We are equipped. You have gifts and abilities that I don't have. And God made you perfectly, for what it says in the Word, to do these things. right? He's, he has good works ahead of you. Right? He's, he's crafted you to do them, but you need to be equipped so that you can go and do that. That you have the ability, you have the teaching, you have the prayer cover, you have the training, all of the stuff that you need so that you can live the effective and full life that God has called you to. When Christians go away from the church and we separate and we're not unified and we fail to assemble, what happens is, is that we become ill-equipped to handle this world. Does that match maybe what we see like when we look at the church today and our culture today you ever feel ill-equipped does it look like the church may be on its heels a little bit the kingdom of god is not supposed to be retreating we were called to advance to go into the world to care for the world to bring truth and life why is it that we seem to be taken aback so often well i think oftentimes we are ill-equipped we haven't assembled. We've neglected Christ's provision. But as we come together, we become equipped. We are thoroughly able then to handle what God has to do. And what are we equipped to do? Well, the next thing is, is for works of service. See, God doesn't just equip us so that way we can just impress ourselves and our friends. That, that we are equipped to do things that matter. That we follow Christ's example. Right? And so when we come together, we find that our service is supported. That we, we have this, this desire that God puts into you. He's put into your heart and your mind. Like anybody who lives a selfish life lives an unhealthy life, lives an unhappy life, really. Right? They, they separate themselves from everybody else and they find themselves uh, really isolated. And, and they might have all the things that the world says that you're supposed to want, but somehow they know there's something deeply wrong. But people who give themselves to serve have much more fulfilling lives 
I mean, even pagans know this. There's all kinds of sociological studies that show that if you just volunteer an hour a week, how much more a person's uh, well-being goes up, their, even their physical health seems to improve, all kinds of stuff. Why? Because we were designed not to be selfish. That, that serving others is not something that is belittling. It's actually something that builds, it's building. It builds us up and it builds those around us up. It makes us feel full inside. The person that has no one to serve, no one to care for, nothing to give their life to is somebody that's going to be a shell of a human. But at the church, not only do we have a calling to serve, your service is supported because serving is hard. You may have the, the desire to be able to care for a person or to, to pray or to, to, to bring meals over to some people. or There's a thousand different ways that God does, can design you to serve. But at the church, not only you have the equipping of that, but you have the support of the entire body. So when things get difficult, maybe, uh, you know, I, I think about it when I had a life group a couple of years ago that we met together. And uh, one of the persons, the life group that we met at their house, they had an elderly neighbor, Right? That was there. Well, the person that was there was not very handy, right? But they could be relational support to their neighbor, right? So that's what they did. But there were a couple guys in our life group that were really handy at things and were able to go and help out and change uh, light bulbs and clean out gutters and things like this and, and to show love that way. And then there was another person in our group that was really gifted at prayer. It's like one of those people that can just keep praying and praying and praying and praying and praying until they get breakthrough, Right? And that's exactly what we saw is that there was this supportive service. So it wasn't just our neighbor trying to go and be a good friend and a witness for Christ to her neighbor. But then all of a sudden, she had all kinds of support, which opened up a heart to receive Jesus. You see, that, that when we serve together, we serve more powerfully. And then you find that here when we assemble. If you try to go and build God's kingdom on your own, you're going to be like, uh, you're going to be exhausted. It's like somebody trying to just build their house on their own. They, sure, they can kind of do it, but it's a lot better if you've got a whole team of people, right? And so as we serve together, there's a reason that we serve, right? We go and serve not just to be little goody two-shoes or to make ourselves just feel better or whatever. That it says in the Word that we serve so, so that the whole body would be built up. It's like when you go to the gym, right? You, you know, we, we work together. I, when I go and I wake up in the morning and I go to the gym, I don't do that uh, because I like to feel exhausted, right? I'm not going and like, oh, I hope that miss, makes me sore because I love being sore. It's not why I do it. When I go and work out is so that when I'm done working out, eventually, someday, I'll look nice, right? And that day is today. No. <laughs> but it's so the whole body can be built up. We serve so that... The family, the whole, it helps the church entirely. Not just your reputation, but the reputation of Christ. Not just your own, your own biological family, but the family of God. And so we find that as we are built up, then we find that we have this faithful community. As, as the body of Christ becomes healthy, as we all start serving, right? That we find that in this community, it's not just that we're out there all just working all the time, but we find true ties of love and affection. We find connection and community, which is what the human soul longs for. Right? And so we find this community. Where my, my thing there? There we go. So in that is that we are part of the whole body. That's where we have the community is found. That we're, we're not just here for me. And, and I think Jesse talked about this this morning in our communion time. 
we're here and we support one another. How many people spend their lives going to, to fruitless things? They go to bars or they might join like a softball team or whatever, trying to find true, deep connection. And there's nothing wrong with the softball team. But where's the deep connection, the soul level, the, the, to know that you are loved and you, are, you belong? That kind of community is, is found in church. That's, so we have that faithful community right, that leads to holistic maturity, right? As we meet together, as we continue to gather, as we connect and, and have our lives and our service begin to share with one another and as well as the community, we find that we grow up. See, uh, it says in verse 13 this, it says, until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what happens when the whole body is serving and is caring for one another is we mature, now, this blew my mind when I came across it. It was several years ago. I was doing a sermon series through Ephesians, and I read through this, and I was studying it, and I brought deep conviction because in the past, I thought that areas of service in the church were reserved for those who were mature, right? So once you had matured enough, then you can start doing ministry. You can start serving, right? So this is how I thought it worked, that you would grow up, and then we would give you a job to do. But that's not what it says. It says you are already part of the body of Christ. God has already made you to do good works. And he's brought you pastors and teachers and elders and all kinds of stuff to be able to support you in that so that you can do work. And as we do work, then it says that we grow up. We grow in unity. We grow in knowledge. We grow in maturity entirely throughout our lives. So as we serve, the path to Christian maturity is not just going to a Bible study and gaining knowledge, but it's through service. And as we serve, we don't just understand what God has to say. As we have teachers and pastors telling us the words, we have a place to apply that. And as we begin to apply it, our love goes from something that is just intellectual in my mind that says, I know I love you all because you're part of my church, to I actually have cared for you. I've put my love into action, which lets you know that I actually care, which makes you want to care back for me, which means that love covers a multitude of sins, right? Which means that even though I'm an imperfect person, when I've gone and I've served you, you might overlook some of my flaws and receive me with grace. And I get to receive you with grace. And that brings unity in the body, doesn't it? It's hard to be catty against a person who's cared for you, right? It's hard to hold a grudge against somebody who's, who's served you and has done things just for you because they care for you and they love you. Where does unity come from? It's when we serve one another and we care for one another. And, and in that, it says, in the knowledge of the Son of God. And I love how it puts there. This is not just an academic understanding of God. This is the knowledge. This is knowing. Like in the Bible, it says, you know, like Adam and Eve knew each other, like they intimately knew each other. And then life produced from that. That we don't just just understand God. We're supposed to experience God. And then we have a wonderful Sunday school. It is fantastic, right? We go deep, academic, get into the Word, you can get all nerdy with it if you want to. It's fantastic. You get a deeper understanding, which will help you in a lot of ways. But the idea is we want to understand God so we can know Him. I want you to experience God. I want you to see what it's like to live life with Him. And where does that happen? When we're serving each other. 
when we're serving and putting our gifts into practice, when the Word of God becomes something that is, is now part of our, our basic expression, then we know the Son of God because we understand what it's like. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come so that others could, could bring him all kinds of things. He laid his life down for the good of others, for his body. He began to love other people with not just his words, but his actions. And we get to do the same thing. And when we do that, you're going to experience God in your life in such a more intimate way, a full knowledge of the Son of God. That your faith is not going to be something that can be challenged or dissuaded because of crazy things, that, uh, like an argument that somebody might have out there because you have experienced God's power and His goodness and His ministry in you and through you. And you become mature. Not like a, a baby. Right? But instead, you have this whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I, that blows my mind, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, we haven't attained that yet, but that's where we're growing to. And we look at how mature Christ was. I mean, Jesus was well beyond the, the middle school arguments and drama that still preoccupy most people's lives. We want to be mature. And that is when we connect is when we grow and we have a place that our, our ministry is supported and that we are loved and are able to express that love. And you know, that maturity in and of itself has some benefits. But just for us, and he goes to it next, is that that maturity leads to a reliable stability in our lives. Not just theologically, but in every area of our life. But, of course, the very base of our life is our doctrine, our theology, informs our philosophy of how things work, right? And our philosophy is our, uh, informs our politic, how we think the world is supposed to work and operate. And that politic, then it, it changes then, you know, how we begin to live our lives, our expression. If you want to change how you live, <laughs> we have to start down with our doctrine. And if our doctrine is, is wishy-washy, if our theology is weak, if we don't really know the Son of God, we just know about Him, well, we can get tricked by all kinds of harebrained ideas, but as we put our faith to practice and we mature in the faith, look at what it says. It says we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. How many churches have been just destroyed because you had immature Christians that come up, there's some guy who comes up with like a, a, a new crazy idea thinking that after thousands of years, somehow they were the most enlightened person to come up with some new idea about how God truly is that nobody else ever really has. And they say, listen to me in this crazy idea as it blows up the church. And then they, they sell out and they, they lose their church family. They cause division in the church. All these crazy little heresies that have come and gone throughout history, just blowing Christians around and just never knowing what God really has to say. We get focused on the wrong things. Why? Because we're not equipped. We're not protected. We have, we have no teachers, we don't, no pastors, no, no prophets, no protection, no God's provision. We're not serving, but we're just trying to understand about God instead of getting to know Him and our actions and loving the people that God has put us into the family of God. We're not actually practicing his love. We don't know him very well. We're not maturing in our faith. And what happens is we get blown apart. And the rest of our lives look that way too. Look at our culture. And we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks. I, as a coach, I, I have kids on my team that don't know if they're boys or girls. That breaks my heart. I mean, it breaks my heart. 
I have parents of students have no idea what it means to be a parent. No idea. They're asking their kids to parent them. It breaks my heart. They're blown here and there by the cunning and craftiness of people. By these People have little letters after their name who knew nothing about how we were designed and are destroying people's lives and blowing them up. Where did they lose their anchor? How as a culture did we lose our anchor? How as a church? I think it's when we failed to receive God's provision and His protection. When we we decided that we didn't need, the assembly wasn't essential. That we could be better off on our own. And then we failed to begin practicing and serving the way that God has called us to do. And the doctrine just became something to know and a dogma to agree with. It was boring in a class that we somehow would be confirmed into. And then we would never have to think about it again. And we lost, we lost the rock upon which we were supposed to stand. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can have a maturity in life. You know what's amazing thing is when, when you have a, a Christian who is mature, who is stable in their faith, who's able to have a decent and a kind conversation with someone who deeply disagrees with them. And the way that we're, spo- we're able to do that is because we're not threatened. And the reason we're not threatened is because we know Jesus. <laughs> we're mature in our faith. We can hear these strange, crazy controversies and ways, crazy ideas, and we don't have to run away from culture because it's not going to take us out. So we can engage with this culture with calmness and with kindness and with love because we're the adults in the room. God has made us mature. If you want to have the maturity that the world needs, we have to serve. We have to assemble. We have to gain a knowledge of God through our actions and our lifestyle that is true based upon the, the scripture and the doctrine that is guarded and provided for you by your teachers and your pastors. Maturity is powerful. And this world needs mature Christians. The enemy is counting on us to act like little babies, fighting one another, being selfish, running around. I mean, No empire has ever been taken over by a preschool, right? We have to grow up. We have to be able to hear the good things that God has, to be called up to the higher way of life. And we gain that at church, which I think is a huge benefit. And as we do that, we also gain virtuous wisdom. There is a type of wisdom that's not virtuous. When we think about, there are some people who are wise under the ways of the world, aren't they? I mean, they know how to sin and to sin well and not get caught, right? Or not to have it seemingly affect their life too bad, although it destroys them slowly. But the wisdom that we gain in our maturity is one that is not only true, but is also good. Now, there's also virtue that isn't wise. There are people that are are wonderfully good, but they're so naive, they're ineffectual for the kingdom, and they're fragile, but the maturity that we find at church leads to a virtuous wisdom. It says in verse 15, it says, instead of being washed around and being swept away like little infants, right? It says this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become in every aspect the mature body of him who is head, that is Christ. I love how it talks about that truth in love. The truth is wisdom. The truth is what it is just seeing what a is, is, is 
seeing what, what corresponds to reality and recognize what's, how God really made things to work and recognize that and calling it out. Being wise is helpful when we understand how we're supposed to handle our families or our finances or our bodies or anything else. The, the more we live in truth, the wiser we are. That's great. But wise people who don't have love are kind of not fun to be around. And they're kind of dangerous. So the church doesn't just speak truth. But it does it in this way that we speak it in love. It's not about me destroying you. Love seeks your good above my own. Sometimes it's saying hard things, but in such a way that it's to build you up. How does God do that? Take us these selfish, infantile little people, right? That we just are so selfish and self-absorbed. That's really pride, right? That the, it's the state of humanity. How does he change us to being such a way that we are not just using truth as a weapon, right, to beat each other down with, but to use it as something, as a tool to build each other up? Well, he matures us. He changes us from the inside out so we can become loving, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. The best way to grow in love is to know Christ, not just know about him. To have the God change us from the inside out. Well, how do we do that? We serve as we are supported in our service, as we're connected. And then we are able to speak truth and love. It's not just that we know the right things to do or how God made this world to work, but we care for each other, demonstrated by how we live for one another. And I'll tell you, when I start to serve you, if, when I pray for you guys every week, my heart goes to you. You get a little piece of my heart every single week. Right? As you guys have all cared for me this last week and, and for my son, he broke his ankle playing football, poor kid, right? It was sad. How many of you, like, I got so many phone calls, and Thomas did too, and you wrote him cards and put him in the mail, and, and you wrote him emails, which he never checks, but that was so sweet of you. I checked them. It was awesome, right? Some of you brought meals. You gave us a piece of your heart. And you showed us love, but you know what? Those bridges of love then also allow me to trust you, so that way, if you have something to tell me of truth, I'm probably more apt to hear it because I know you're not using it to destroy me. And it goes the other way too. That's why it's so essential that your pastors love you, right? We have to know you and love you and care for you. Speaking the truth in love, when we do that, when we have this maturity that, is, that leads to a wisdom that is virtuous, what is the effect? Well, we become, in every aspect, a mature body. Not just mature as individuals, but the mature body, right? So the whole church is elevated, is lifted up. That we grow together. You cannot be part of a growing, healthy church and not be matured yourself. And your faithfulness will mature others around you. Do you see how beautiful that is? Well, as we do this, as we mature together, and we have this virtuous wisdom, we, find, we receive very, a strong level of protection for ourselves and our souls and our families. In verse 16, it says this about that. Let me real quick. Maybe today. There it goes. From him, that's Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I learned a lot about ligaments the last couple of weeks when my son had to have his, his surgery because he tore all of them, right? They're, they're important. They hold everything together so that way the body works right, right? And when they're not there, things get too loosey-goosey and then you can't do anything. But when the body is held together and it's mature and it's strong, 
right? We're able to do the good work that God called us to do, and we protect one another. I didn't know this, but God is brilliant. He, he has like backup systems in our ligaments and all kinds of things. So if one goes out, another one can help it out and all those types of things. That we are the body of Christ. We hold each other together. It's not just that your pastors hold you together. It's not just that our statement of faith holds us together. But we hold each other together, the assembly when we come together, we meet, we serve one another, we care for one another, we, we get to know each other as we know Christ. We have this, this inner network of support and stability that, that helps us handle the difficulties of life. Protection. I mean, certainly it would help us in things like this last week when my son went was sick and my wife was gone and you know, like we got his, his injury and all that kind of stuff. And you guys came together and helped me. And I know the church has helped others. I mean, think about times when people have had just all kinds of stuff. They had it like moving or somebody was sick or things like this. The body comes together so your life doesn't fall apart. That's huge. But also, doctrinally. Now, how many times like we get exposed to some kind of strange teaching and, and maybe it just sounds interesting to me, right? And I start to wander it and I've got somebody else from the church who's be like, hey, we love you. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. You might want to be careful about this. Let's talk it through. And because there was bonds of love, you can have virtuous wisdom that we can enjoy that helps protect each other from falling prey to the craziness of this world. Because it did say that there were deceitful scheming by people, right? You know, that there, there are people out there that are scheming, thinking of ways to make you fall away from the faith. They actually do that. They're trying to destroy the body. Why? Because I think they're being controlled by the enemy. How do we find protection? Well, the body of Christ, the assembly, you have to be connected. It's one of the things that we have is we find this protection. You're not on your own. You're not just up to your own cunning and your wiles. God has provided for you pastors and teachers and prophets. He's got you the body of Christ, and we hold each other together. It's wonderful. And as we do that, as we protect one another, we're not afraid of this world. We're actually able to engage in this world in, in, in a robust way. Look what it says next. Is it says that we, we grow and build each other up in love. Right? You want to have personal spiritual growth? Be a part of the body. You have the support. You have a place to serve. You get the opportunity to, to know Christ better. You have his provision, all those things. We have the protection of the body over us and the community, as well as then we begin to have a place that it's, we're able to grow. But what he's talking about here is that the whole body is growing. That's called church growth. What that means for us is not numbers. It means that we're having penetration into our community, that we're bringing the gospel to places that the gospel hadn't been, that there are going to be those who rejected Jesus, who now will understand who he is, and then will become part of the body, and the body gets bigger because there's more people. That's where church growth is supposed to come from. Not from having a really awesome worship set that then steals sheep from other churches, but from the body of Christ living and active and caring for one another and serving as the body of Christ and, and having that community in such a way that it does go out and, and others are, are, have their hearts and lives open to the work of Christ so that they can come from the kingdom of darkness and be born again into the kingdom of light. They can go from God's enemies to his children, which is a great miracle. Where does church growth come from? From church. As we assemble, as we work, we let God work through us. But we can't do that if we're doing it on our own. We've got to be connected. Now, 
that, that healthy growth that we want to look for, right? We have healthy growth because there is unhealthy church growth. And we see that sometimes. There's church growth that, that grows just because you have a really great performance or just like a very, very gifted you know, pastor or teacher or like a great worship band or experience or something like that. And people come for the show, right? And, and they gain something. They have like their, 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 uh, uh, their heart's like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I saw this like when I was at uh, Promise Keepers in, in the 90s when I came to faith in Jesus, right? I had stadiums full of men who were saying, hey, we're going to keep our word before God. And I was, uh, it certainly made a difference in my life because that's when I became a Christian, right? But there are so many men. Why has their culture not changed? Well, there are so many guys who went to that to have their God experience, and then that kind of wore off when they went home because they didn't connect with the body. They didn't continue to work in that. They didn't keep their promise, by the way. And then they went to the next thing. They went to marked men for Christ, and then they went to the next men's group type thing, and a lot of them fell away. Some of them are agnostics. Some of them are heretics. They've just kind of wandered because they went from one high to another to another, and they, the church grew for a moment, but it didn't grow healthy because there was no connecting. And so the body just rotted. Nothing wrong with those ministries. Certainly, I love promise keepers. Why well, I'm a Christian. But the thing is, it wasn't healthy. Why? Because there was no connection. The body didn't assemble. It was like you had a body transplant that it didn't take. We want to have healthy growth is when the body comes together and begins to connect. So we hold each other together. We hold each other accountable. We hold each other supported wise. We, we, we care. We love for one another. We serve one another. We support one another. We know Christ. We invite him in our life. Then the church grows healthy. We don't just grow big. We don't just become like a, this movement of people. We want to have a movement of God. So we become part of the people of God. That's where church growth comes from. And we are called to, to, to saturate this valley with the gospel of Christ. You know, like we pray every week, I ask you to pray for our new home, right? To the place that God has us so we can reach those who don't have cars or can't walk up hills so they can, right? We're praying for a flat parking lot. As we do that, well, I'm also asking to pray that God makes us the right people, that we're a healthy body. So as we're the right people, God will he will naturally bring others in. We don't want to just have a big church. We want to have a healthy church that continues to grow and saturate this valley with the goodness of Christ. That's a huge benefit that we have by assembling. But it only happens as we go to that last part as each part does its work. Each part. I could be up here and serving and, and preaching and, and teaching and caring for you guys and praying for you and all of doing the shepherding stuff. And Jesse can be doing that too and we could be doing all of that and the church can still never grow. Because we're only small parts of the body, and we're no better parts of the body than anybody else. We're the first servants. That's what we get to be. But every one of you was crafted by God to do something remarkable for him. And it may not feel remarkable to you. It might feel small or, or insignificant, but that is a lie from hell. Every one of you has been crafted by God to be part of the body, to connect and to grow and to serve and to know him. And as we come together, we glorify God. That's when we're safe. That's when we grow. That's when we become interconnected. That's where we find God's goodness and his power is, is, is being lived out amongst us in this community. That's when we experience the, the great miracle that we read about this morning in Acts chapter 2. And so the tenth benefit is that, is that if we do that, as we connect, we find God's powerful purpose for us. You know, I think about uh, Rick Warren wrote a book years ago. Our church went through it called uh, The Purpose Driven Life. Became a national bestseller. Even, you know, pagans and stuff were reading it and really having their lives transformed. Why? 
because we know that we were meant for something more than just to live and to, to punch in at a job and punch out and eventually retire and play golf. But God has called us to do much more than that. That, that he, he made us for something bigger, but oftentimes we couldn't quite put our finger on it. What is it that God made me for? Do you know he's answered that? He's given you that answer. He's provided for it here at church and the assembly. Now certainly people can live decent lives outside of the church, but you live a better life being part of the body, a fuller life, you, one of, that has purpose and meaning that your life matters, that your actions and your maturity and your faithfulness actually have an impact on everybody else. And not just in this building, but in this entire community, in the kingdom of God, in the great struggle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, you make a difference. Your purpose, which is powerful, was designed to be found here. That's a benefit of church. That's a benefit of the assembly. So we look at all of those things, and I think you recognize that we're going to be, we are better together. That, that as Christians, yeah, you can be saved and not have a church. But you diminish yourself, but you diminish the body. But as we assemble, there's a reason that God called us to be together. Not so you could be miserable and bored for an hour on Sunday morning, but to assemble so that we could become the body of Christ, growing in every way more like Him who is the head. Isn't that wonderful? So we're better together. And that means that uh, we belong together. And so for you, I want you to know you belong here. Oftentimes people are like, well, I've been going to church. I don't feel like I've connected. Well, let, let us help you connect, right? A life group is a great way to do that. Getting to know other Christians is a great way to do that. Taking a feature off to lunch is a great way of doing that, right? Serving is a great way of doing that, which is why I have some next steps for you that I want to help you connect with. And the first one is this, is to memorize Hebrews 10.25. The very first step of assembling, you know, to be part of the body is to assemble. Right, just to make that, uh, that commitment, well, how are you going to do that? You need God's Word because the enemy is there to, to attack you, and we need the sword of the Spirit to fight off the enemy when it says, I don't want to assemble today because I'm tired. I don't want to assemble today because I don't like Aaron's shirt. I don't want to assemble today because I don't like the subject of the topic that we're going to be talking about, right? The devil's going to give you all these little excuses. And you can remember what it says in Hebrews to the very people that were going to be, you know, possibly beheaded or lit on fire because they decided to go to church. And it says, even in spite of that, let us not neglect the meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, Right? But instead, to encourage each other. You know that by being here, you're encouraging? Just by assembling, not neglecting the meeting? And to do that, especially now, right? As the day of the Lord is drawing near. Having God's word in your heart will help you answer the enemy at those critical junctures. So maybe that's what you begin with, is, is memorizing that. Second thing you want to do is read Ephesians. Why? We're going to be in it next week as well. We're going to start a series on wholeness. It's not going to be a, a politically correct series, uh, but it's going to be a biblically correct series, right? And I think you're going to find a lot of hope, and it's going to be a, a lot of goodness. What God has for us is so much better than the trash the world offers. You're going to find answers instead of just questions. You're going to find a place of, of stability to build our lives on instead of this instability that we see just eroding our culture and the people around us. Read Ephesians so you have the whole idea. That's why we've been in it for, for the last week of this week. All right. The next thing I'm going to challenge you to do is attend five or more Sundays this year than you did last year. Why? That's part of our Take Five strategy. As part of us trying to help you take steps of faithfulness to assemble, that's part of it. I'm just showing you. And you know what? You have that Take Five strategy it's on every one of your, your announcement things. That's why you have it. They put it on your, your refrigerator or things like this. But 
it, it just reminds us that we, we need to be growing as a, as a church body, right? What we're we praying for and, and what we're we doing. But one of the things is just being here a little more often. Why? Learn the habits of health. And you get healthy. So maybe it's for you to say, you know what? I'm going to make assembly. It's going to be a priority to me. Just between you and God even. But to take that step of faithfulness and say, you know, I'm going to assemble. And so our challenge for you is five or more times this year than you did last year. If you don't know how many times that was, well, then just keep coming. Okay, fourth thing is to join a life group. If you're not connected in a life group, I encourage you to be part of that. It will help you get to know other believers. You don't get to know each other very well on a Sunday morning because you're all sitting looking at me. In a life group, you get to know each other. You get to do life together as you study the Word. It's an amazing thing. So if you need a life group, let us know. If you have a home or you're able to teach, uh, we would love to hear from you as well. We will prepare you and equip you. That's what we do uh, to do that. But uh, that's a great way of practicing this and providing place for the body of Christ to connect. Another thing you might want to do is join a membership class. Uh, if you're interested in that, let me know. Um, I've got one coming up in November, but I'm, I've, I might, I'm most likely be doing them earlier than that because I've got a couple people that are interested. So uh, if you haven't taken the membership class, haven't joined the church yet, let me know and we'll contact you and get that set up so that you can officially join the church. Uh, be part of, of this great healthy body. And of course, every week, talk about this. You can't take any of the other steps of faith. You take this first step. Right? You need to be right with Jesus. You need to be, we, we are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, right, first, before we go and make disciples of Jesus. So if, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're still on the outside, I want you to know this, that you belong, that God has called you, but you need to take that step of faith. Be saved by God's grace in your faith. If, if you want to receive not just forgiveness, and salvation, but also a purpose in life and a church family and all the support that, that God provides you in that, well, then let me know, because I would love to help you answer your questions, but also help you take the steps of faith, to believe, to confess, repent, to be baptized, to be discipled, to be encouraged as you join this church family. So if that's you, uh, you can mark it on your card, but also come talk to me. Uh, don't leave today without getting right with God so that we can then help you begin this walk of faith, okay? Uh, also on your connection cards, place to write your prayer requests. I do pray for you every week. If I know what you want me to pray for, even better. So take a moment, write down on that, and then in just a couple minutes, we're going to take our offering. And then uh, what I want you to do is take those connection cards, those green connection cards, put it in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts, right? Make those, uh, these commitments your first offering, offering of your life uh, to God, okay? Let me pray for you as you do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us a wonderful church family, that you've made us not... Uh, belong together, but you've made us so much better together. Thank you for all of the wonderful promises and provision that you give us as being part of your church family. Father, I pray that you continue to grow this church family, that you would build us up in love and help us to do, each part of us, do our own special work. I pray for our elders and our pastors, our shepherds, our, our Bible teachers, all of us, that we would be true to doctrine and true to your word so that we could guide this church in such a way that it builds your kingdom, not just our ideas. Father, I pray for every member to protect them from the enemy as well as to, to raise up within them to the Holy Spirit a, a desire and a longing to fulfill the good things that you prepared in advance for them to do. Father, help us to rise up as your body in this valley, to saturate the Estes Park area with the gospel of Christ Jesus as we see your kingdom overcome the kingdom of darkness and we see goodness overcome evil. Father, right before our eyes. In so doing, Father, take these commitments that we make and our offerings and our tithes and use them together for your good. And we pray all of this wonderful name of our Savior Jesus.